You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is going on, y'all? Welcome into the very first edition of the No Bets Barred podcast. This is MMA Fighting's newest betting podcast. I am Connor Burks, joined alongside Jed Mishu. Jed, what is going on, man? I'm so excited about this, buddy. We've been talking about this Too for long. months. For months. And it took us a little while. We are finally getting, getting off our asses, getting the ball rolling here. And we're going to have a great time. Oh, it's going to be a fantastic time. I can guarantee you that. Uh, so I guess where we start here, this is the first episode, I guess normally we would be recapping how we did the week prior. There's nothing to recap since this is the first episode. So I guess we, I guess we introduce ourselves a little bit, uh, you know, get into that. I'm Connor Burks. If you know who I am, I work for MMA Fighting. I'm the producer for the MMA Hour. Typically, I give out picks. And by typically, I mean out every single week. So we're here to have a deeper discussion. I want to dive deeper into these fights and who better to do it with than my guy Jed. Yeah, man, I, uh, I am excited because I have spent, I've been with MMA fighting a long time and I've done a lot of gambling content with them uh, in the past and, and currently. And, you know, it's, it's just good to, have, good to have another degenerate here with me to, to really get into the thick of things on the first fight of, of a Garbo fight night card. You know, I don't know. Maybe we got some value in it. So you got to grind that tape and, and do the damn thing. I mean, there's nothing better in my opinion. I, I, you know, sometimes I get slandered for it. You get the degenerate tag put on you. I don't think there's anything better than than a curtain jerker on a, uh, you know, a Norma Dumont versus uh, Aspen Lad fight card. Hey, speaking of Norma Dumont, we're going to be talking about her a little bit later, <laughs> my man. Is, uh, you know, Mesa Chiesa, and there's there might be some opportunities for that for that fight. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. I'm passing on that fight, but I cannot hear what you have to say. I, you know. Norma Dumont's kind of a heavy favorite. Anyway, normally we'd be recapping in this section. We're going to be talking bets. I figured a good way to start this off. I want to hear your best betting story you've ever had uh, in your history of gambling. I know your past uh, living out in Vegas and everything. There has to be one that sticks out in your mind. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the bet that sticks out in my mind the most, I guess, uh, 
for for me is is the first big bet I ever placed. So for those who don't know, I uh, I I guess I fancy myself a professional gambler at one point in time. Did uh, after I graduated college, <laughs> I you know I did the I did the thing that everybody does. You you really like to gamble in college. You have a lot of fun with it. Uh, I, I knew I was going to go to law school, um, but I didn't want to go straight through. So I took a gap year and, uh, moved out to Vegas with a couple of buddies, just, you know, kind of <laughs> scraped our way by and, uh, tried to make my living betting on, on sports and playing a little poker. And the sport I bet on primarily was MMA. And so the first one, uh, drove out there in 2012. Um, and the first fight I went to uh was diaz condit like that was that was the event i came for uh and so that fight one huge carlos condit fan one of my favorite fighters of all time one of the most exciting fighters of all time uh and i i felt really good about his opportunities uh in that fight you know i it in hindsight it was probably a really stupid bet <laughs> if, if we're being honest just because uh, I don't think Carlos could have won the fight that I expected him to fight, you know, an, an actual just like Nick Diaz scrap. Uh, but instead, he fought a really tactical, really smart fight and cashed the bet. And I had a bunch of action down on that card. Uh, and you got to see it live. And I got to see it live. That and it changes was just one everything. Of the, it changed everything. And it was just one of those things where, like, I had been, you know, gambling a little bit through college and sort of thinking like, Ooh, maybe this is a thing I could do, you know, support myself for a while. And I finally, you know, mustered up the courage, drove, drove cross country, kind of essentially put all my chips in the middle and to come out of that event, you know, having made a, a tidy sum and being able to like, all right, float myself for another few weeks. It was, it's one of those things where it, it was an actual dream realized. So it was awesome. That, that is it's not the biggest bet. It's not my most successful bet ever, but that's the one. If I think about you, kind of the feeling I get when you hit a hit, like that one was it because everything was on the line. Like if I blew out that event, I was just packing up and <laughs> driving back home to mom and dad and be like, hey, need to crash on y'all's couch for a little bit. <laughs> See, no, so, I, can't, I can't imagine the stress that you went through living oh. in Vegas, depending on that. I, I don't even, sometimes I don't even like the stress of just giving picks out in general. I imagine it wasn't just elation when you hit the bed, but it was also just a massive sense of relief. It, so going into the, to the main event, I had already cashed, like I was already up money. So I was already relieved from that. And so the main event hitting that was just, it was the cherry on a great thing. But yeah, I mean, I is one of those things where in my head, it was like super easy. Ah, I don't know. I watch fights all the time. I bet all the time. I'll just up my, my bet by a substantial amount of money and I'll live on that. And then when you actually go do it and you you go to the bank and you're like, hey, I need to withdraw. I don't want to say how much, but <laughs> need to withdraw five figures of dollars uh, so I can go take this to a book. Because this was before, you know, internet betting yeah, and stuff. Right. You, you're going to an actual, actual window laying down yeah, cold, hard cash. Literally went up to the window. So I had to go to the bank and I had to, you know, I can't go to the ATM and withdraw eight grand or whatever. I got to go into a teller you know, get the envelope, take the envelope of cash, which is then stressful because I'm carrying so much money around, walk up to the teller, like, here are the bets. I want to spread this out on these. And once it's gone, that's when you realize, oh, I'm not getting savings. that back unless I, unless I win this bet, I am not getting that back, yeah. which I, I couldn't <laughs> even imagine that. I did. Well, the thing is, I didn't think about it at all because it was stupid. You know, I was 20, 
one-year-old kid or whatever. I was just like, oh, this will be easy. I'll get it back. And then as soon as I handed it away and I was like, oh, I actually might not get that back. There are real consequences <laughs> to failure here. And you it did was, this for how long? Uh, I was out there for uh, four or five months. Uh, it was a good good stretch of time. Um, and I, you know, for the sake of saying it, I say that I moved out there to be one. Realistically, this was this was fantasy camp while I was taking a year off before I went to law school. Um, but, you know, camp could have ended at any point in time if I just had a real, <laughs> if, I, if I went on a real cooler. And it it, it ends with bankruptcy. Tough. Yeah, it ends with bankruptcy and, you know, phoning home to have mom and dad wire me bus fare. But, you know. Uh, so that is always, I think my biggest bet ever was I was our, I, I felt so confident that Kane Velasquez was going to beat Brock Lesnar and he was plus money. Oh, so that was my biggest bet. bet ever. But uh, the See, one that will always I actually with lean me. with you. It's, it's something that you said. You were just like, it's not the biggest bet ever. It's, you know, it's not my most successful bet. It's the one that I like have the fondest memory of, of hitting. That's what it is yeah. for me. Unfortunately, mine's not MMA. Tell me a tale. Yeah. Tell me a tale, though, Connor. Yeah, so it's not MMA. It's it's actually football. It's Super Bowl 54. Uh, this was back when I worked at ESPN, and we were forced to work Super Bowl Sunday. So me and all my coworkers, you know, there's like 10 to 15 of us. We all meet at a restaurant at, a, at like a breakfast. We used to call it the meeting of the minds. It was a big brainstorming where we'd all come together, get all our Super Bowl props together. I mean, we're, we're going into work into the office to to do our job for ESPN and we how called, deep are we talking on these oh, props like how how degenerate are these props that's getting? that's full the best part. I mean this is degenerate stuff I'm going into the Super Bowl with like 15 to 20 bets uh going into the evening like all just on this game alone so we all show up we all bring food it's a big potluck and everything all the managers are there uh so we show up first thing that happens of the night uh, I probably shouldn't even be saying this on the air, but someone had an inside scoop on the length of the national anthem. I think it's been long enough now that I can love scoops that I can get away from this. But uh, yeah, he had a scoop, hits it right on the money. We start our way that night. But the the big thing was all week we were joking around Kyle Juszczyk, the the fullback for the 49ers. It, it was our big thing. We were joking about him how we were just going to hammer him. We took him to score at plus eight fifty. We took him over Ooh, over a, a half. Over a half reception and over nine and a half receiving yards. So Those are all great bets. Oh my god, dude! We get into the game. We've been we've been talking about Kyle Juszczyk all week. Like he is he is the hero if he can cash these tickets for us. So we get into the game, and then I think it's like the second quarter. We see Juszczyk moving in motion. Someone points it out. We're like, oh my god, Juszczyk's in motion. They dump it off to him. He, I think it was Sorensen for the Chiefs. He just runs right through him, goes all the way, scores, and we're all just going absolutely crazy. It was a 15-yard touchdown pass, and we hit all three bets at the same time. Then we also had uh, to be tied after 0-0 as well. So we hit all, we hit four bets because that tied it at 10-10. We hit four bets at one time. There was 15 of us in there going absolutely crazy. The managers are coming in to tell us to be quiet. People are running through the hallways at work. Like, was not even close to the biggest bet that I've ever hit. But the fact that we hit four at once, all of us together, we had been hyping it up all week. We all went so crazy. It was just like something I will never forget. I can't see Kyle Juszczyk now and not smile. Like, we hung his picture up in the office. Like, it was <laughs> such a big deal. Like, it was amazing. Yeah, man. And that's that's the thing, too, especially doing it with friends. When you've got a group, every bet hitting is so much better. And it's, that was the thing. It's a, like, it's elation. Like it, when you're all together in the bet hits, like, I mean, it's why we love it. Like it, it's not about making the money. Like it's very nice to profit. But when you're with a crew and you all hit a bet, it's amazing. 
Yeah, it just it makes things betting makes things more fun. Gambling is fun. There's no doubt. Have fun. That's what this is all about. Yes. And I got to be honest, as we're going to get into today's card, <laughs> I'm planning to have a lot of fun this weekend because yes. I have if we're I have too many bets down. If we're you call me a right degenerate. Now. I call myself a fun seeker. That's how we're going to do this thing. So enough about us. You know, that's just a little introduction. Normally, we'll recap what we did in the past week, you know, kind of give you guys a little bit of background, not only about ourselves, but also our betting history. So, you know, this show, sort of an explanation of it. It's called No Bets Barred. This is going to be us discussing our bets, you know, going back and forth, talking about the fights. We're obviously going to break down the main card, but this is a 15-fight card. If neither of us are going to have a bet... Yeah. If neither of us are going to have a bet on, you know, the third prelim of the night, there's no point in us, you know, giving out a waffling opinion and then both of us ending it with, it's a pass for us here. So if we don't talk about a fight, that means we don't have a bet on it. I'm sorry if you didn't get our waffling analysis, but that's kind of how we're going to do it here. Don't worry, we have a lot of bets in play and we will get to each of those fights, but that's just a little bit different than your typical start with fight one, go all the way to fight 15 and, and give your opinion on it. Yeah, and let's be honest, come on. Like, nobody cares about Kledson Rodriguez versus CJ Vergara. That's not, nobody needs to have action down on that unless you're like a family member of one of them. I'm hearing, I'm hearing Kledson Rodriguez is a nice parlay piece this week. Uh, yeah, I, as, that's going to be a pass bet for me. So, also, it's I know we'll get into parlays at some point because you're, you're a parlay monster and I hate them. I mean, you're, that's because you're an intelligent person. Gambling, you're an intelligent better. Parlays are for schmucks like me that love losing their money on things. They're for like the that. house. They yes, are for the They bookies. are literally for the house. I try to limit myself to three legs at most. I try to make smart ones. Like I'll never be parlaying up a plus money play. I mean, in my in well, yeah. my mind, that's just never mental. do that. That's just it's crazy to do that. If this if we accomplish absolutely nothing else with this podcast other than we get me fired a lot quicker than I probably would have <laughs> been otherwise. I want to make it clear. Do not parlay underdogs, people. Never. It's just, you just, you got the value. It's an underdog. You got the value. Take the value. Please stop parlaying dogs. It breaks my heart every time I see them. It literally breaks my heart, especially if you go like two of three on the parlay. Like for me, parlays are for heavily juiced things that I feel very confident in and I can get it close to even money by parlaying them all together. I don't parlay because I never hit them. You, you're a monster. You hit them all the time. I, if I put somebody in a parlay, one of those legs is going to die. Yeah. It's a guarantee. Well, I have decent success with them, but the funniest thing is, is the people love parlays. I they bro- love them, dude. I put out an air fryer parlay, which is just like it has to be over a thousand. I know, and I've only hit one fryer. of them. I've only hit one of them ever. I did buy an air fryer with it. I've only hit one of them ever. <laughs> They're the smallest parlays. But when I don't put one out, people are like, "Where's the air fryer?" I'm like, "It's a losing ticket. You guys don't want that. Please, like." You know, it's just, it's about hope because you, you can get a juiced up parlay, you know, 10 legs, 12 legs, 10 bucks to, to, you know, go to the moon to make $10,000. And that's, people hit them too. I I get them every week. People hit them every week. Like it's, it's crazy, but all right, we've spent 15 minutes. You guys kind of get the gist of the show here. You kind of get a little bit of who we are. It's UFC 274. Let's actually get in some fights now. Cause it's a big card. Oh, it's a big card. It's a big card. That's why we're doing this one. That's why we started with this one, because this is a big event. No doubt. So let's start. Let's go top to bottom. Let's let's start with the goodies. Is that what you said? I think that that is absolutely correct, because the top is it's Ooh, the chef's top. kiss good, The baby. top is, is very nice. So let's kick it off. The main event of the evening, 
the lightweight championship of the world. Five rounds, 25 minutes, if it lasts that long. Charles Oliveira going up against Justin Gaethje. So I'm going to be totally frank. I have no idea if you have a side on this one. Every time I, every time I start getting with the side, I start getting with the other one as well. I tried to watch as much tape as possible. I'm playing a total, but I'm very curious to hear. Ooh, so you're just on a total here. I'm just on a total, which sometimes that's I, my favorite place to be, unless it doesn't I end. love this because I cannot be on a total because a total terrifies me on this fight. Yes. Because I have no idea how long this fight's going. I like, love this. It could, it could be dead in the first minute. It could go five, five fives. Like, I don't have a clue. <laughs> and so I was looking at the totals and trying to figure out. And I, so I'm fascinated by it. Because I, I do have action on this. I think, uh, for me, this is, a, this is a classic dogger pass. Or you can find a lot of value in the props here. So... I've got a couple of bets down. The first one is I am taking Justin Gaethje at plus 145. Uh, just so everyone's aware, all our odds are going to be coming from DraftKings, you know, sponsor of MMAfighting.com. It's where I place my bets. You should all place your bets there as well. Uh, but I've got Gaethje at plus 145. I, I view him as, I view this fight as at least a 50-50 proposition, if not in favor of Gaethje. And so you're getting plus 145. That's that's roughly 40% win probability right there. That's a, that's a ton of value on Gaethje just outright. And for me, this is a two true outcome fight, right? Like either Charles Oliveira can score takedowns, and if he can consistently, he's going to win. And if he can't, he's going to lose because Justin Gaethje is the most electric, the most violent man the sport has ever produced. Hits like a truck, uh, incredibly durable. He can knock your, turn your lights out instantaneously or he can just take you to hell and drag you through it and come he'll come out ahead on the other side ask michael chandler hell ask eddie alvarez who beat him but look at their careers since that fight justin gaethje ends careers fighting ask him. tony ferguson ask tony ferguson i mean it's it's the list of people that have had successful careers after fighting justin gaethje is very very small it's just what he does and so you know, we talked a lot heading into the Habib fight about Gaethje's the most interesting challenge because he's got this wrestling background. In the end, he actually wasn't a great challenge because Habib just kind of powered through it. But I think a couple of things about that fight are really instructive to me here. One, God love Chucky Olives, because I sure do. He is not the takedown artist Habib is. And he's a pretty good offensive wrestler. But, you know, Habib is Habib, and Charles Oliveira is not going to be able to power his way through takedowns. And... Habib had to go, did have to take a bunch of hard shots to effectuate a game plan against Gaethje. You know, that first round was mostly Habib surviving brawling with him, and Habib can do it because he had a wildly underrated chin. I don't think people ever gave him enough credit for that. But Gaethje, Gaethje hit so hard. Oliveira has has actually improved his durability. Like his, you know, the the knock on him forever has been that he's a quitter. But his last couple of fights, he showed he's not. But I I just really like the offensive onslaught. I like Gaethje's ability to keep this upright. And so on, along that note, I also have a bet down on Gaethje by KO or TKO at plus 200. Again, that's a that's a 33% win probability. Frankly, I like that bet better than a straight on Gaethje because if he's going to win, I think it is overwhelmingly likely that he gets a finish that this doesn't see the final round. So... I like both of those, uh, and then I, I'm in, I also have a hedge here because I think there's a, a, a viable Oliveira hedge for my two bets. 
but I, I want to hear where you're at in the round total because that fascinates me. All right. So, so first things, uh, I love the breakdown on Gaethje. Uh, one thing you said, how he's one of the most electric fighters in all, in the entire UFC ever. Like he's the most electric. I would also agree going back and watching many of Charles Oliveira's fights taping for this. He is also one of the most electric, which I think is going to make this fight just so interesting to see how it played out. Like I went back and watched the Chandler fight and it was like within the first two and a half minutes, Charles had been rocked by Chandler, got taken down in a super tight guillotine, and then he flips it over. He gets on Chandler's back, has the leg, lo has the body lock in, almost looks like he's going to get his neck, and then Chandler was able to get out of it in like, and then I, I was like, wow, so much is happening. And I looked down, and there's like 248 left in the first, <laughs> uh, the first round. I was like, this is absolutely bonkers. I went back and watched Poirier. Absolutely insane. Something you said about Gaethje, how he just drops these huge bombs on people. That's why I can't get on Oliveira because of the way that we've seen him rock. Like he was in serious trouble in both the Chandler and the Poirier fights. And who's to say that Gaethje is not going to be the one that puts him out? I mean, like you said, he hits like a truck. The fact is, I think Gaethje is a better finisher than both Chandler and Poirier. I, I don't think that that is like the. I don't think that's a crazy view, thing to say. But I I do think that Gaethje is just he is a better finisher than either of those two dudes. And so like, that's, that's the big thing for me. Oliveira is going to get hit. I just don't see yes. this fight happening where he doesn't get hit. And when he does, I, I really like Gaethje to, to put the coffin nails in, close that door. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, Gaethje is no stranger to getting hit either though. And like Charles, Oliveira, he's not, he's, <laughs> he's not a slouch when it comes to striking, which, which is what makes it so interesting to me because if, if he knocks Justin down, like, there's really nowhere for you to go. You have to pop up because you cannot stay down with Charles Oliveira coming to grab your back. So that's what makes it so interesting for me when it comes to a side perspective. I just, like, can't get on either side because I just keep flip-flopping so much. From the total point of view, just how hectic Charles Oliveira fights and just how chaotic they get so quickly alongside the explosive and how electric Justin Gaethje is, I just don't see this one going the distance. So I took under... Two and a half. I grabbed it at minus one thirty-four. I think it's. I think it's sitting a little bit worse now, but I would still take it then. Charles Oliveira, man, forty professional fights, thirty-six have finished inside the distance, and then if you look at him, sixteen of his last seventeen fights have finished in under two and a half. Like he just, the guy is allergic to scorecards. Twenty-five of his twenty-nine UFC fights have been under two and a half, and then Gaethje, four of his last six fights have finished under two and a half. I mean, the dude is is no stranger to getting a finish. And I, I like what you said. I think it's it's overwhelming percentage chance that this does not go to a decision. So if you're going to take Gaethje, I feel like his path to victory is by KO. He's not going to submit Oliveira. So I, I like that KO prop. Yeah, the, the KO prop is honestly one of my favorite bets just because it's basically getting Gaethje with a little bit of extra juice on it. And let me let me let me take your fancy here, Connor. Let me let's hear cause, it. Because here's, I haven't pulled the trigger on this, but because I I still feel pretty good about the Gaethje by KO and Gaethje straight. But I think that this is one of those fights that presents the most obvious kind of guaranteed money that you can get, because right now on DraftKings, Oliveira by submission is plus one twenty, and so you can take Oliveira by sub at plus money, and you can take Gaethje by KO at plus two hundred. And you can get on either side of that action and functionally guarantee yourself a win because 
I just don't see this fight ending in in a way that isn't one of those two outcomes because I don't think Oliver is going to stop Justin Gaethje with punches because even if he hurts him, he's going to end up tapping him. And we've seen Justin go through go through hell and back. Nobody's you know really succeeded with doing that in in that way. And I think if if Oliveira can consistently hurt him in a drug out war, it's just going to be a tap. But most likely, if Oliveira wins, he's going to get a body lock, take him down, and submit him like Habib did. So I'm really interested in some two way action on this fight to you know not get a huge profit, but feels really cl- as close to a lock as you can get in this sport, frankly. You're saying Oliver by submission and Gaethje by KO. Yeah. Two plus money plus. Double-ended action. I mean, you could also just do Gaethje plus money because they're both plus. But, you know, I, again, I think the KO play on Gaethje is basically the same as taking Gaethje straight. I just don't see a world where this makes it 5-5. Five, five, so I would just be, I would yeah. be so floored if these guys lasted 25 minutes. It would be unbelievable and so i i like i said i haven't made the hedge on Oliveira by sub but i think that there is a really good argument to just take those two plays and basically lock yourself into a modest victory on this fight and you know that's how you that's how you build the bankroll baby modest victories c's earn degrees my man and you can get yourself a comfortable no stress c with some two-way action on the main event and i mean that's what we're all about here it's just all about building the bankroll. Like profit is profit. That's what I try to tell people. It's a slow grind. This is a slow game. You don't gotta hit the plus ten thousand parlay every weekend. Like it is just a slow grind to getting where we're trying to go. So I don't hate that ide- ideology. I'm not so much a fan of it because I like being able to like strictly cheer for one side and know I'm locking in like a decent amount of profit if, if it does win. But I get what you're saying. Two plus money plays that you feel incredibly confident about. Yeah, I, uh, you know, like, we'll, we'll see, but I'm probably going to end up pulling the trigger on that because then I can basically forget about the main event because I, I know I'm cashing that ticket. That one ticket's getting cashed there. Great. And then maybe I can take whatever profit I'm going to earn from that and then throw it out for a little bit of the excitement stuff, you know? Got got some long shots I'm, I'm looking at. Yes, that, uh, I that's can what finance we want. Here. That is what we are here for. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, I think... Uh, Fight does not go to decision if you were ever going to parlay something. I feel like that is a good parlay piece. Unfortunately, it's sitting at minus 500 right now on DraftKings. It is a good parlay piece. But yes. Still at that line, it's fine. Be a great way to finish the night if if that's the last leg of your parlay and you just get to sit back and just cheer for violence in a main event between Justin Gaethje and Charles Oliveira. So I got a little bit. That's true. I got a little bit of action on total. You got a side in this one. That is the main event. We'll keep it moving to the co-main event of the evening. Two title fights. There's nothing better than two title fights in a night. We got the straw weight championship of the world. Rose Nami Yunus going up against Carla Esparza, a rematch over seven years in the making. This is from the tough finale uh, back in 2014, I believe it was. And uh, last time out, Carla Esparza submits Rose Nami Yunus in the third round. But we're getting rematch Rose. Rose Nami Yunus, 4-0 in rematches. And uh, if she wins this... She will have avenged every one of her losses except for uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz. Yeah, Kovalkiewicz. Yeah. I was at that fight, by the wow. way. I called the Kovalkiewicz upset. <laughs> Let's go. That was, that was my first fight with MMAfighting.com. Oh, that's was in sick. Atlanta, Georgia, UFC 201. So, Let's go, yeah. That's uh, the, if if me she and wins Ariel. this weekend, only one she uh, will have not avenged. Yeah, that was the first time I met Ariel. We we did the whole thing. I was like, Ariel, I think Kovalkiewicz is going to do it. And then she did, and I felt like a genius. Let's go.
Let's go. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, all right. So where are you at on this one? I let us off last time. I want to see where yeah. you're at on action here. Do you have action? I do have action. I do have a side. Um, Ooh, a side. I do have a side. Yeah. I To me, I think this fight literally just comes down to how successful is Carlos Barza going to be in the takedowns and the controlling of Rose Namajunas. I, I just... If she is not working her game like she has for four of her last five fights, then I think Rose Namajunas is is going to win going away. I think she's just levels above her on the striking game. But what Carla does well is take people down. In the last, what, five fights, she has 17 takedowns, just racking up crazy control time. The only time we didn't see her have any success, it was against Michelle Watterson, uh, where she went like one for 10 and couldn't get anything going in the wrestling game. If that's what happens, then I think Rose Nami Eunice wins this fight. If what happens last time they fought happens, obviously Carla is just going to win again. She's just going to mangle her on the ground and just rack up control time, lay and pray. Probably won't get the finish. It'll go five rounds and it'll just be an easy victory for her. I think that Rose Nami Eunice can stay away from the takedowns. I think she's overall the better fighter. I think if she's going to come into this one, she needs to stay at range. She's got to use the boxing, fight behind the jab. Stay away from the takedowns. When she does get taken down, get up quickly as possible. I think she's going to be able to limit this. We saw, you know, she got taken down five times the last time out against Zhang Wei Li, but I felt that she she found success in getting up, managing that ground game. She never got, you know, just like laid on the entire round. I think, obviously, Zhang is not the same wrestler as Carlos Esparza is, but I believe that Rose Nami Yunus will be able to manage the ground game, keep it standing long enough, and I think she's going to be able to outpoint her for a decision. Ooh, a decision. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so I also have a side in this one. I am with you. This is my my biggest bet of, of the week. I mostly keep everything to one unit. Wow. Uh, uh, I will very occasionally go, you know, half units if I'm just having fun or taking some flyer bets. But I mostly just keep everything at a, a simple one unit unless I'm feeling really comfortable. 
Uh, I love Rose Namajunas to get the win here. I can see a path. You know, I think you outlined the yeah. path pretty clearly for Carla, but I just simply do not believe that will happen. Uh, the line's already moved, so I got uh, – I, I did it this morning. I got Namajunas at minus 195. DraftKings, that line has already moved to minus 220. I think that line, as we get closer, is just going to keep clicking, clicking, clicking towards Rose. And I like it because at minus 195, I mean, that's a 66% win probability. And frankly, like total total frankness, I believe Rose wins this fight, you know, nine times out of 10. If they fought 100 times, I'd feel pretty confident that Rose is at least going to win 85 of them. So you're getting a ton of value just from the line right there. And so that's I, I'm putting double units on it. I feel really, really confident. This is the bet I am the most confident in. You know, at the end of the show, we're going to do a recap. If I had to bet my life on one outcome on this card, you know, Saturday, this is the one that I'd be like, well, if I go down on that, then that's how I go down. So I'm actually shocked to hear this. Love- I'm shocked to hear this. Like, uh, I know quite a few people that are going to be playing the dog with Carla and, and depending on those takedowns to come uh, for. So, like, for you to have this type of confidence, I love it. I, I have an amazing amount of confidence. One, look, I we're going to... We're going to do a lot of this, and the reality is I'm going to disrespect a lot of fighters. In fact, <laughs> a couple of the guys we're about to talk about next because I don't like them all that much. But I have a great amount of respect for Carla Esparza. I also think her current run is a lot of smoke and mirrors. Talk to me about <laughs> um, this. She's Talk to me about she's this got because this two, is what I was about to get into. She's got two split decisions and a majority decision um, and in this run of five, and there is a very real world where she lost all three of those fights. Now, I don't agree. Um, I think I gave her the Alexa Grasso fight, um, and I may have actually given her the Michelle Waterson. Uh, I did not think she beat Marina Rodriguez. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's, it's a bit up in the air. But the reality is her last fight was easily the best performance she's had in years, and you can't take anything away from that one. But everything leading up to it, there was a lot of questions about you know, how real is this? Is she just kind of rolling sevens back, you know, back to back to back? And again, she got the W. She got her hand raised. She got those two paychecks. Always important. But I feel a lot of that. Uh, I feel that, frankly, Rose is just a substantially better fighter. And we all know, you know, we've talked about it. We all know the outline. The outline of this fight is takedowns versus not. And I, I think that she will score some takedowns because she is pretty good at wrestling and that has been a weakness for Rose but I think uh Zhang Wei Li is a much more physically imposing individual and she like you said she wasn't able to hold Rose down she never really she racked up control time because she scored takedowns in basically every round but she never held Rose down for more than like a minute in any round Rose was able to get back up and this isn't like the first time they fought. Rose isn't going to try and play off her back. She's just going to get to the cage, stand up. The whole metagame of MMA has changed substantially. And like I said, like I, I think this is a great feel-good story. This is the rematch that should have happened. I think Carla earned it because she did get the wins. And there's a story here, but I think this is mostly one-way traffic and will probably look a lot like Carla versus Yoni and Jacek maybe a little bit more competitive early because Rose is not the takedown defender Joanna is, but I think that this is just going to be a snowball rolling downhill, which leads me, I have some, I have some secondary action on this as well. I also took a bet on Rose by KOTK. Oh, wow, let's go. Uh, I've, I've got that prop at plus 300. Um, 
And so I, I got in on that because that's that's a 25% win probability. And I just feel that this is one way. Um, that one I'm less confident in. You know, that's not my, I, I did not double action on that because as much as, honestly, as much as Rose gets pumped up for being this, this great finisher, she doesn't have that many knockouts. She's largely a submission threat. Um, she'll, she'll club and sub you or whatever. Um, some of that's just how things have broken down though. And I, like I said, I think this fight is going to look a lot like Joanny and Jacek versus Carla Esparza. I think maybe Esparza will have more success with takedowns in the first or even the second round, but we all know the dynamics. She is going to have to be selling out every minute she's on the feet. She is in danger of getting clobbered. And as it becomes increasingly more, hey, Carla, you just got to get on her hips. You just got to shoot. That's just going to open up more opportunities for Rose to really let let it go with the hands, with the kicks even. And I think she's going to get her out of there, uh, you know, in the maybe in the fourth or fifth. I could see earlier, frankly. But I do think Carla's gritty enough uh, is going to be working takedowns early enough that it'll will probably make it to the championship rounds. But like I said, I got two bets on this, and and one of them's double action. So I've I've got a lot of play here. I, I love it. I mean, I I love that you're saying all this. Uh, I think what you said the the maturation of MMA, the way that things have gone, the way it's it's developed. I do think she's going to come in and with a different game plan. I also think Rose has improved. The Trevor Whitman effect cannot be understated. I think he'll have her ready for whatever. Asparza is going to throw at her. Another thing you said, kind of smoke and mirrors with this Asparza run lately. I mean, in her last six fights, she's 5-1. and one. Obviously, Tatiana Suarez just ran right through her. Uh, and then she beat Virna Janjarova, Alexa Grasso, Michelle Waterson, Marina Rodriguez, and Yan Jianan. You look at Rose's last six fights that she's also 5-1 and one in. Joanna, Joanna, Andrade, Andrade, Wiley Zhang, Wiley Zhang. I mean, you are talking about three champions, three of the best, you know, in the women's game, not just the straw weight division that she's gone through. It almost feels like this is like a step back for Rose in terms of the difficulty of the opponents that she's been facing. Like it's, she has been running at the highest clip possible at opponent difficulty. And now I, I just feel like that's advantageous, advantageous for her in this situation. Yeah, for sure, man. And like, look, the, you know, she is not again, God love her. God love Carla Esparza. She is not this physically imposing beast of a human being, and that is what Rose has been having to. Because Rose isn't, like, the greatest athlete in the world either. She's, you know, fair for the division, but she's not a... I wouldn't say she's even, a, like, an A-plus athlete. She's probably a B-plus athlete for strawweight. Uh, but she doesn't have to have... Like, that's not a concern here. Carlos Spars isn't going to win kind of those competitions with her. This is going to be a technique versus technique, and... Also, you mentioned it, and I totally forgot, and I forgot it for the main event, too. Cannot under, understate how good of a coach, how good of a preparer Trevor Whitman is. Uh, and I'm backing both of both of his folks. You know, that's I'm I'm all in on, on the Whitman train this weekend, baby. Let's well, go. Well, you would have found a lot of success at uh, UFC 268 back in November if you had done that. Uh, so we're both on the side of Rose Namajunas. Jed also has Rose by KO, TKO. Let's keep it rolling on the main card. A lightweight bout. A great one. I mean, this is one that I cannot wait for. Michael Chandler going up against Tony Ferguson. I mean, this is just going to be a firecracker from the get-go. Personally, I think Tony's days, his best days might be behind him. I, I don't think a lot of people want to admit that. Well, I think that's unquestioned. I, uh, <laughs> 
I mean, dude, I, I, I see Twitter. If, and if you can't admit that, you're wrong. I mean, just like you're you, just stone wrong. <laughs> you mentioned it earlier. The damage that he took in that Gaethje fight, the way he just got dominated by Benio Darius. I mean, it, I think the only way that he beats Chandler here is if he catches him by KO. I've seen a few people saying by. Ooh, yeah, I th- I, that is interesting. I mean, we've seen. I disagree. Okay, all right. So we've seen Chandler's chin checked quite a few times, not only in his UFC career, but also in in his Bellator career as well. And I've seen a lot of people saying by, you know, submission, you know, the Darce Knight, the the ankle picks and everything like that. Uh, But for for starters, Michael Chandler has never been submitted before. And two, I can't think that Ferguson is going to hand him his first submission after he fought Charles Oliveira, the submission king, all-time leader in submissions in UFC history was body locked and the dude was hand fighting for his neck and he didn't get submitted there. I don't think Ferguson is going to be the one to do it. I think if Ferguson wins, it's going to be by KO. Okay. Do you have action on this fight? Let me ask you that. I have Chandler as a parlay piece. I, I'm not even going to say it. I also am heavy on Chandler money line, but that's because I took it two months ago. As soon as it dropped at minus minus one fifty five. that line obviously does nothing for the listeners. Okay, now. That line is it's yes, nothing it's, at all. A million miles away. So yes, I have Chandler as a parlay piece. Okay, line. That is interesting. So we have very different reads on this fight then, or at least our our end results are different. I too think Tony Ferguson has passed his prime. Also, anyone who's listened to the MMA Fighting Radio Network for the past few years will know that I uh, hate both of these men. Oh, wow. I, have, I actually I have have a fan of both of these guys. <laughs> I have consistently trashed both of them, and frankly, I've probably trashed Michael Chandler more than any other fighter in the world, except maybe Stipe Miocic. You're at the top, um, man. It's, well, yeah, no, <laughs> I uh, cannot stand him, and I uh, the fact that he's had such a successful UFC run has really, really been bothersome to me. That's well, technically he's only one and two. Um, he's just gotten big name fights. He really hasn't been. He hasn't found that much success. But he, no, but he also has looked really good in even the losses. In the losses. Yes. You know, he was he was a moments away from Dude. winning the lightweight belt, which I never, <laughs> never would have recovered you talk from about had he like, done it. It was like one more, one more right to the jaw and Oliver is asleep. Just it. Yeah. And then, you know, had a had the fight of the True. year with Justin Gaethje last year. You can't, that's one of those fights where, yeah, he lost, but there are kind of no losers in a fight like that. So it's, I, I hate the success he's had. <laughs> and I have long time hated Tony Ferguson because uh, he's super weird and I don't understand yes, him and I never thought he was as good as people thought he was. He obviously was having great results during that, you know, 13, 12, whatever fight win streak it was, but it also felt like he was just getting the best possible outcomes. And, you know, like he got hurt by Donald Cerrone, who we're going to talk <laughs> about later, who's one of the most washed men I've ever met in my life. So like, it was just, I just never was sold. And it, part of it was, I was a Habib truther from almost okay, day I one. I was like, oh, like before he got in the UFC, I was like, this dude is, this dude's going to be the dude. And he got in the UFC, I was like, this dude's going to be the dude. And then when he was finally like really ascending, and everyone was like, well, Tony's a fun fight. I was like, <laughs> no, that fight is a great fight. And it's a fight that should have happened because, because of what it meant, because it was two 12 fight, 13 fight win streaks. Like that's a fight that we should have gotten for those reasons. That fight was never going to be competitive. Habib was going to roll right on through him the same way we saw Chucky Olives do to him. It was never, I never once was like, that would have probably been the most money I ever put on a single fight because I was lock certain that Habib was just going to thrash him. 
And I feel like history, you know, they never fought, but I feel like history has probably shown that I was right. So this is about between two guys that I have historically not been huge fans <laughs> of. And whenever I got a fight like that, I mostly try to keep my action away from it because I'm too emotionally invested. We can talk about Shogun Hu in a little bit for similar reasons. But for me, I just, I agree. I think Tony's washed. Also, I, I don't, I've never thought Michael Chandler was good. And so it's just very difficult for me. There is no way in hell I would lay that, that minus 400 or whatever on him. So prayers up for you and your parlay, my man, because I wouldn't be near it. Uh, and I think, you know, Chandler's been hit. I think you nailed that. But I, if I have action, I've, I put, I put two sprinkles down on this, not just little half baby bets, nothing big. One, I took over one and a half rounds at minus 160 because I think f even if Ferguson is totally washed and he might be or he might just be on the right side of cooked and not quite done, his issue hasn't been his chin. You know, he he's taken beatings and still been there. I mean, he's went 25 basically with Justin Gaethje before finally somebody saved him. But he, you know, Michael Chandler hits hard, but I still feel like Tony is going to be able to to survive through that and at least make it to the halfway point of this fight. And I took just a little, I'm, I'm frankly a little interested in just a straight bet, dog bet on him, but I'm staying away because as the aforementioned, I just kind of don't like both guys. So I don't know how much that's clouding my judgment, but I did. I took a little bit, just a little baby, just a little baby sprinkle on Tony by submission because Tony Ferguson by submission at DraftKings is plus 1400 Wow, that's, that's that a is, big price. It's a huge price, and I don't understand it because to me, I think that the most likely scenario is Chandler can't knock him out because Tony's chin is still up, but he goes for takedowns because he knows he can get him, he can control top, and he just gets a little lazy, and Tony locks in a Darce. I mean, the Darce night is a real thing, and to me, that seems like his best path to victory. So plus 1400 I couldn't. I couldn't stay away, man. I, just, I had to. I just had to take a little piece, and we'll see what happens with it. Yeah, I mean, I can't blame you at plus fourteen hundred. I just, I just don't see it happening. Such yeah, it's a, a big huge number. number. I, I think it might actually be a huge number for a reason. Just like the, the idea of Chandler, of Chandler getting his first submission loss here at the hands of, uh, of a wash Tony Ferguson. In my opinion, I just, I just think Chandler, dude. I just think he's too fast. He's too explosive. You know, like you mentioned, he he has finishing capabilities. Whether he's going to be able to use them or not, with with Tony's durability, is yet to be seen. The strength too, the strength and, and explosiveness. I just feel like any any submission threat he's going to get into from Tony. Like I I know Tony's going to be the bigger guy, but I am fully convinced Chandler is going to be the stronger fighter in in this fight. Oh, that's um, for sure. So yeah, I. But you're forgetting one key thing. Michael Chandler sucks. <laughs> so you're not factoring this. I love this. I love this. We're, getting, we're getting a hater jet. <laughs> I, I want more of this. I heard Shogun who, who else? Oh, oh, just wait till we do a Brian Ortega fight. Cause that's uh, you're going to get full wow, blown. Wow. Hater jet I really, I'm really Ortega not a hater. I don't, I don't have too many people. Uh, I guess Nick Maximov has been my one. Uh, he's, he's done me <laughs> dirty twice now. Uh, so yeah, maybe those will grow as, as we continue to do this podcast. So You've got a little sprinkle on Tony by uh, submission, a little on the over one and a half, which I actually like, which I actually like. When I first saw this fight get made, knee-jerk reaction was it would end inside the distance. But now that I've thought about it more, uh, just after the Gaethje Chandler and just Ferguson's overall durability, 
I actually like that spot that you have there with the over one and a half, just to get halfway through the fight, whether it goes the distance or not. Yeah, I still think it could. I was gonna say I still think it could end inside the distance. Yeah. I just I just don't see Chandler putting the lights out early, and if he does. I'm just going to hate everything right, about it. We'll meet you at the top. I got the Chandler Parlay piece and obviously the money <laughs> line, but uh, we'll see if that cashes. Let's keep it rolling on the main card here. Light heavyweights. Another rematch that everyone's been waiting for, man. I think I think the whole MMA community has been uh, chomping at the bits for this one. <laughs> Ovin, so much. Ovin St. Peru going up against Mauricio Shogun, who, uh, uh, yeah, this one took place back in uh, 2014, and uh, we saw OSP knock out Shogun in 34 seconds flat. With an illegal skateboard, it's important to remember he illegally brought a skateboard into the cage. It's unacceptable, and now they're going to finally fight a fair fight. Uh, for me, I'm on another. I'm on another total here. I played this one last week uh, under two and a half rounds. Ooh. This is just two guys who uh, not only have finishing capabilities, but they've also been finished. Shogun Hua, eight of his last twelve ended by finish, win or lose. He's lost by KO. He's lost by submission. OSP, ten of his last twelve ended by finish. Again, win or lose. These guys aren't winning every single fight. He's lost by KO. He's lost by submission. He's won by KO. He's won by submission. I mean, there's no telling how this thing is going to end, but I think it's going to end inside the distance. So I happily laid uh, the minus 160 on under two and a half. Mm, I, look, I don't hate that bet. Um, I think you might have, con you, you might convince me to get in on that. I just, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge total guy usually. But I do think you're right and that this probably isn't going the distance. For me, I don't have any action on this yet. I am contemplating action. I I feel very conflicted about this fight, mainly because I love Shogun Hua. Who doesn't? You've been in the sport as long as I have, been a fan as long as I have. You, Shogun's 2006, 2003, like those just unbelievable years, and you cannot discount what this man has done and osp is washed too is lot, the thing. Like, washed i'm not here to tell you life. i'm not here to tell that's right uh, we we are a laundromat on this card <laughs> and i'm not here to tell you that shogun isn't washed that man is cooked to the bone cooked and he shouldn't be fighting i wish he wasn't but i mean what's what's osp been doing lately he lost to tanner friggin bozer <laughs> in his last time out in a fight where he basically just didn't do anything like it was a heavyweight fight where he literally just didn't throw and just ate punches until he got knocked out and he looked a little better against jamal hill but he also as soon as he ate some shots from a guy willing to throw at him hit him for me if I'm going to bet on this, I, I'm still eyeballing the Shogun underdog line and Shogun prop bets for Shogun by KO. Uh, kind of eyeballing those lines. The underdog, DraftKings doesn't have a prop down yet, but the underdog line straights plus 190. That is right on the edge of where I'm willing to go. It's about 34% win prob. Um, and again, I think both guys are cooked. And in a situation like this, Honestly, Shogun's been cooked for a while, and he's still been scraping yeah. his way through some fights. And OSP's whole game is really reliant on explosion uh, and fast, like fast twitch reactions for his counters. And, and we kind of just saw that he just didn't have that against Tanner Bowser anymore. Like he couldn't pull the trigger on counters, so Bowser just kind of teed off on him. And Shogun's bad, you know, now, but he still hits really hard. And if he can just throw some punches and land, he has a really good chance to knock out OSP. Now, because Shogun's old and slow, maybe even OSP's deterioration means he's more likely to land those counters. 
So I don't feel like wildly confident in a bet on Shogun, but if I'm going to bet it, this is a clear dog or pass for me. And I'm waiting for that prop bet to Shogun by KO prop bet. Cause I, I may have to throw a little sprinkle on it. Cause again, we say at the top, betting is supposed to be fun and there's nothing more fun than rooting for Shogun Hua to relive the magic one final time. And then please God, please God, Shogun retire. Walk away. We don't need it anymore. Yeah, I'm playing a lot of totals on uh, on some of these more washed guys, and I'm I'm hoping for the knockouts. I'm hoping for the finishes, but what I'm really hoping for is that none of them are like excessively violent or like really make you worry about the person's health. Like I do not want to see like OSP get like violently knocked out by like a 40 year old Shogun Hua. Like hopefully it just it's like a nice TKO up against the cage, and you know they call it. You know, that's that's the best we can hope for if that happens. But I'm hoping for, you know, Shogun Hua to get the thing done. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, hopefully uh, hopefully we'll find out whether or not you got to play on that later in the week. Let's keep it rolling on the main card. This time, though, some young up-and-comers. It's a lightweight bout. Donald <laughs> Cowboy Cerrone going up against... Back to the laundromat, baby. Going up against Joe Lozon. Two guys headed in the same direction. That direction is retirement uh they're both at the later stages of their career they're on their way out i mean this could potentially be cowboy's final fight in the ufc i mean uh i think after his last fight dana said he's Same for yeah, lozon. you're right i mean lozon just out of nowhere like he lozon basically was retired but it was like i don't know cowboy's fun so sure i'll fight yeah, that so one the funny thing is cowboy has lost six straight uh lozon is on a one fight win streak and uh they both got their last win in 2014 or i mean 2019 <laughs> Feels like 2014, but yes, uh, 2019. Yeah, both these guys are in in bad shape. Lowe's on two and four in his last six. Cowboy obviously 0 and six. Uh, tough to imagine a 39 uh, year old on a six fight losing streak is a favorite. Uh, but here we are. Here we stand. Cowboy Cerrone is the favorite in this matchup. He is, and I think there's a very clear reason why. People know who Cowboy Cerrone is, yes. and when you get that fame bump, baby, he's getting that fame price, and I don't know about you, but I'm taking the action on Lozon. I got two bets on this fight. Uh, I've got Lozon at the underdog at plus 150. It's a 40% win prob um, for a fight that I think is probably about 50-50 because, like you said, they both won their last fight in 2019, but I think we have seen a... I'm sure, Cerrone has fought top-end competition, frankly, but... I think he has just looked worse and worse and worse. Whereas Lozon last time out, Jonathan Pierce, and that age, that win has aged pretty well. Pierce gone on to do some things. Um, look, I think at the peak of their powers, this would be this line would be maybe even a little low on Cerrone. You know, you take both these guys at their primes. I'd take Cerrone in that fight. I think he's a much more dynamic fighter. But uh, I, I just I like the underdog value on Lozon here, and honestly, maybe even more. I might, you know, to, to the listeners, I might recommend not even taking an underdog bet on Lozon because a bet I love, that's a very fun and kind of stupid bet, but I love it, is on this fight. And it's it's a prop, Lozon in round one, plus 800, because this just lines up really well for me. Joe Lozon has, he is a guy who, he's a get or get got, man. He is going to come out barnstorming, like a bat out of hell. He put the boots to you real fast, and if he doesn't get it done, it's probably not going to be his night. We saw that with Jonathan Pierce. just came out and kind of ran over this young buck. And Cerrone, the knock on him, is he's had two big knocks his whole career. One, you can hit him to the body. He gets very susceptible there. And two, he's a really slow starter. 
And it's the thing he tried to work on in his career, but I don't think he ever really got past it. And so you take a slow starter versus a hot starter, uh, and both of them are old. I love plus 800 for Lozon to just come out and try and get it done early. And I think he's got a good chance. I mean, 11% win prob for that plus 800. I, I'm taking the action on that. So that's that's where I'm at on this one. Well, it's funny you, you say that because uh, Joe Lozon has eight first-round uh, finish wins in his UFC career, including three of his last four wins. And uh, Donald Cabo-Cerrone. Get her, get God, Donald Cabo-Cerrone. Seven first-round finish losses, including three of his last five losses. So I actually like what you're saying there with the plus 800. I say all this because... I'm doing another total here, and I took the under two and a half here. I'm not. I'm. It's it's funny that this is happening on our first episode. I'm not a huge like under two and a half guy, but I saw a lot of these lines get dropped before the fight does or does not go the distance. So you're kind of forced to take the two and a half. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, it's it's just what you just said, dude. A guy in Joe Lozon comes out firing, looking to get or get God, and Donald Cerrone, especially in these later stages, dude, when he gets hurt. It is apparent. You can just like see it on his face, man. Like he's he is just done, and he wants nothing more with it. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens here, man. I mean, Lausanne, and when he gets hurt, he just goes down saying, so quickly dude, it's too. Just, like it's it's not just so you can see it. He just doesn't offer anything. Doesn't try to back wrestle. Doesn't doesn't try to do anything. <laughs> I was just like, all right, we're in yeah. the end stage now. Yeah, like off, we made please. some good money. Like dude, when he went out there against Conor McGregor, which I think, uh, you know. Some lesser fans found out who Cowboy Cerrone was that night. Like, it was just like, it, he was just getting thrown. Like, it was just a sacrificial lamb at that point. Like, it, there was, that's all that was. And honestly, that fight is a great thing for my bet because Connor is one of the world's greatest opening round fighters. And and everyone coming in knew that. Well, Connor starts fast, Cerrone starts slow. I did slow. not expect Connor and Joe Lozon comparisons on this episode, but I love I love They're basically I the love same fighter. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, Lozon, he's gone under two and a half in 18 of his 27 UFC fights. Cerrone, 28 of his 47. So, like, these guys are doing it well over 60% of the time. They're, they're not making it to the distance in their UFC careers. I think Cerrone's chin is shot, dude. I think he does not like to get hurt at this point. And I, like we said, he crumples quick. Lozon, he can do it two different ways, man. He can either just blast you on the feet or get you onto the ground and just have that vicious ground and pound that we've seen from him. I just don't think this one's making it to the scorecard. So I played the under two and a half. I grabbed it at minus 105. It's somewhere still in that range right now. But I would still play it. All these unders I would still play uh, at their current prices. So again, I'm investing in a total. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
man, I'm so excited now because now we get into the fun stuff. Because that's the main card wrapped. We've done all the main cards. Those are all the fights we're always going to give you. But now we get to where all the sauce is. Where where are you digging deep? Where are you finding value? And we talked about this before we got on air. I I went too deep. I have too many. I I saw action everywhere. I, I love that you said it's, you weren't as invested on the main card. And I think you had more main card bets than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a ton of things elsewhere. Because I do this every pay-per-view, man. Like, they're... It's you get a card that is top to bottom pretty good. You know, you don't get those with fight nights anymore. The opening prelims, these are debutantes. These are people coming off the contender series. And I am really against betting on people who haven't made their debuts yet. People who don't have a lot of tape outside of the regional scene. I think that that just, to me, that adds a lot of chaos into an otherwise orderly plan that I have for how I bet. So I mostly dodge those, but you get, you know, we get a bunch of people with wiki pages That's what I'm saying, for, for the prelims here. And I'm, I, I can't help, but, but, you know, want to, want to get involved because again, it's supposed to be fun, man. And I have fun when I've got action, especially down. on a night like Saturday, Saturday, Saturday is going to be a fantastic night. Uh, let's start with the, uh, the featured prelim of the evening, a welterweight bout. Uh, speaking of debutantes, Cameron Van Camp jumping in on short notice to take on Andre Fialho, who also is on short notice. He asked for another fight, and uh, he ended up getting one. He fought just a few weeks ago against Miguel Baeza. Big knockout win for him. This is actually like his third fight, I think, since like February. He also fought uh, Michel Pereira and, uh, and lost there. So this man is active uh, since getting into the UFC. For me, not a ton on this fight. All I will say is that I do have Andre Fialho as a parlay piece this weekend. I mean, Van Camp, he's jumping in on short notice. Uh, it just, I went back and watched like his last like four or five fights. He's, he's beating guys with, with very weak records. I was not overly impressed in the things that he was doing to him. I went back, uh, Bobby Volker, that was a uh, former UFC guy that he fought in Shamrock FC, lost the unanimous decision, just was not that impressed with him. I think Fialo really is UFC caliber. And I think he's probably going to knock this guy out in the first round. Well. We're going to leave it at there. I have no action on this one. Uh, I, like I said, I don't like debutantes. I know. Right after you said all that, uh, that I feel you know, confident. making me feel guilty for betting yeah. against the debutante. <laughs> We're, We're jumping right, right in it. against the debutante. So. Look, if you're going to bet, bet against the debutante. All right, so Cameron Van Camp, <laughs> round one submission. It'll, it'll be the parlay killer. Lock it in. Lock it, Lock it, in. it in. Now, the pride of Portuguese, yeah. that's yeah, what I'm hoping this for is... from Andre Fialo. Yeah, and I think that's totally possible. I mean, if I was going to bet, I think where you're at is where I'd be. You know, Fialo seems like a good parlay piece, but just I don't feel I have any confident read there. I'm I'm out. I'm actually the the ESPN prelims, you know, the the big prelims. Uh, I I don't have that this or on arguably the most exciting fight in the whole damn card. I don't have wow. any action on, which uh, we'll get to in a little all bit. All right, well, let's keep it rolling then. Uh, I think you've got some action on the next one. It is a women's featherweight bout. You don't get those too often, but you got to enjoy them when you do get them. It's Macy Shazon going up against Norma Dumont. This is all I have on this because I know this is your play. Personally, I'm a big Dumont fan, so I want to hear what you have to say about this. Ooh, love that. So I'm taking a page out of your book, Connor. Uh, I, I haven't done a lot of them. Love a total bet here. Over two and a half, it's minus 245. I think that's, that is pristine parlay fodder because the way I, as I said earlier, the way I usually parlay, if I'm doing it, it's, it's gotta be over 200 or else I'm just going to take the straight value. 245 is enough 
enough legs on that, enough meat on that bone. I'm I'm just on it straight. I don't have any parlay with it, but that's a 71% win prob. I think this fight is going to the final cards. The only reason that bet is not a fight goes to decision. DraftKings has dropped that prop by the time we're filming this, but it's probably going to come in around minus 220, uh, and that be all over it. I think this fight is for sure making it to the cards. Uh, to me, this is a dog or pass, though, so I hate to hate to knock on your girl. If I'm also looking a little bit to see if that line moves on Jason a little bit. Uh, she's currently plus 180. Uh, I think if that gets closer to two, you know, maybe something like that, I might play a little sprinkle to see about it because uh, I think Dumont is a better fighter, certainly, and he's more technical. Um, we just saw Chasen basically fight Rock Raquel Pennington, who's very similar to Dumont in a lot of ways, but I think she's bigger, she's more athletic, she's less polished, but she can kind of use that. And, you know, Chasen had some moments against Pennington, who I think is a better fighter than Dumont. Uh, and so I think that there is some opportunity for a dog here, but for now I'm out. If the line really bumps towards Jason, I'll take it, but I love an overbet on the two and a half or a fight goes to decision. Probably. I'm, I'm glad that you said that. I'm glad you brought that much confidence in it as well. I also like that you said, uh, you know, usually minus 200 is, is the breaking point of starting to parlay things up. That's kind of how I lean. Usually mine is like minus 225. I'll still play it at a single at minus 225. But once you start getting beyond that, it's uh, we're talking about parlay fodder there. You said dog or pass. Usually. I will be passing on the side on this one. As much as I like Norma Dumont, don't For have sure. like insane confidence to want to lay her at what is she laying right now on on DraftKings Sportsbook? Minus two seventy. Yeah. No, I've got minus, oh, minus two twenty. Sorry. Uh, I'm on. Yeah, that's still way more juice than I'm willing yes, to give Norma. I agree. Dumont. I mean, I I think last time she went out uh, and fought Aspen Lad, I think she was like plus one fifty. Uh, which I happily cashed in that situation. But yeah, minus, minus 220 on Norman DeMond. I'm not going to lay that. So I might add that, uh, might, I might add that like over one and a half or something to a, to a prop parlay there. Uh, you know, really just shock. Over one and a half is for sure. I mean, that is, I don't know what the nut line on that is going to be yeah. minus four or five, but I think that's, that's as close to a guarantee as you're going to get on that's these. What I like to hear. Man. You mentioned one of the most exciting fights on the card. In my opinion, this is it. I don't know if this is what you were talking about, but let's get in to the welterweight bout. Randy Brown going up against Chaos Williams. I mean, I think this is the most exciting not not main card fight, certainly. But this wasn't the one I'm talking because I do have action here. So uh, I'll keep this uh, really short because this is one of the bets I'm the least confident in. Um, it's, it's kind of right on the line of player pass for me, but it is, uh, Randy Brown minus one Oh five is what I got that action at today. It's a 51% win prob. Um, I have some questions, but I think he is, I think he is a better striker and this is largely going to be held on the feet. He's got certainly got, uh, not as much range as you'd think cause, uh, chaos Williams actually has a really long reach, but he uses his range a lot more effectively. I don't like that. You will see chaos Williams reach a lot he will get out over his skis um i think randy brown's gonna have plenty of opportunity to to catch him to counter him there my big questions honestly i would feel a lot more confident but for the fact chaos williams appears to be uncrackable he has been hit with some big shots miguel baeza hit him with some big shots and the man just kind of didn't move and so that that can be I mean, we saw we saw last weekend marlon vera is probably not as technically able or capable on the feet is Rob Font, but he could hurt Rob and Rob couldn't hurt him. <laughs> and that just made all the difference. 
And so I have some fear that that's the case, especially because we've seen Chaos Williams use his leg kicks really well, and Randy Brown is very susceptible to those. But for me, I, I'm just going on on what, what I see, what my eyes tell me, and I think if this is a striking battle, if, if Chaos can be hurt, then I think this is a great opportunity for Randy Brown. And even if not, he is just a little too unpolished. He gets a little too reckless sometimes. And Randy Brown, you know, is has gotten reckless himself, but I think he is mostly just going to be able to catch him coming in uh, and, and really work the counter. So I'm taking Brown minus 105. Do you have any action on this, sir? I do have action, sure and do. I actually have the exact same action as you. I took it earlier in the week. <laughs> Let's go! I took it earlier in the week. First one, Took it earlier in the week at plus 115. Uh, and I just kind of tend to agree with you. I think he's the more skilled fighter. I think if it if it's going to go to the ground, it's, it's going to be because Randy Brown took it there. The biggest concern for me is Chaos Williams putting his head in the first row. I mean, we've seen Randy Brown knocked out before. Chaos Williams obviously can knock people out. So it's going to be sweaty. I'm not overly confident, like you said. It's going to be sweaty anytime... Randy Brown gets hit in the face. I'm going to be nervous and jumping. But uh, if he plays out like I think it is, if he can control the range, if he can, if he can use his striking ability, which I think is better, if he, you know, I think he's more versatile, then I think he can beat Chaos Williams by decision. Is does this, this, is does this, this count? Uh, so I got him in minus one hundred five. Technically, that's the dog. Oh, oh, oh. A yes, wolf pack wager going on on No Bets Bard. Yep, we are riding an underdog together. We don't talk about any of these picks before we jump on here. That's us howling like complete idiots uh, because we're going to be riding some. To the moon, baby. We are howling to the moon because that's where the bank accounts are going. Thank to you, the moon. Randy Brown, for uh, being the first Let's wolf pack wager. Hopefully, we cash it. Immortalized, Immortalized if he cashes it. No, if he loses, we forget Randy Brown's name. Yeah, we forget if you Randy lose, Brown's we're going to forget about you forever, so, uh, Randy. Randy, a lot of pressure on these shoulders. I have a feeling, I have a very small feeling that we're going to get a second one before this show is over. Let's keep it rolling, though. Flyweight battle. Brandon Roy Val going up against Matt Schnell. I have action on this. Do you? So, I do not, and this was the one I was talking about because I think outside oh, of the ground, Chaos Williams, this fight screams action. all action, screams. This is a heater, heater for days. I mean, flyweight's usually good for a heater. Um, and that's why I'm out on it. I think the lines don't appeal to me. I just couldn't find anything. Uh, and you already had action down. So I thought, you know what? Let Connor teach me something. Yeah. Dude, sell me yeah. on a fight. Yeah, so sell I guess me this on a is, bet. Uh, I guess this is the, the totals week for me. I think this is the most totals I've played in a week. But this is my <laughs> last one. So I'm just getting it off my chest here. But I will be taking under two and a half. Um, this is the fourth under two and a half. I think I took all. Yeah, I think I took unders, only man. under. So uh, I'm really hoping for violence on uh on saturday but roy val man in his last fight out he was a phantom tap away you know i don't know if you remember the controversy against uh rogerio bontarine uh, a lot of people thought that he might have tapped in that one and if that was the case then we never would have seen scorecards for uh, brandon roy val in the ufc matt schnell he can be chinny we have seen him knocked out in three of his losses in the ufc all three of those coming in the first round i just think both of these dudes they obviously have submission ability. I can't really trust Matt Schnell's chin. We've seen Roy Val have power. I mean, he got two knockdowns against Kai Kara France, who's now going to be fighting for the belt. But still, he he can chin people. I just think the way that Roy Val fights, the action that we're going to see in this one, I don't see it going to the scorecards. Obviously, this is the one that I'm most worried about because it's flyweights. 
but I still I decided to play it at even money. Hey, I look. I, I'm going to support any underbet because life is too short to bet overs in oh. in fighting. We want the action. We want the violence. So you're on the right side of history, and I mean this bet is probably going to fingers cash, crossed it cashes. I'm with you. Life is too short to bet the the over because overbets in MMA have to be the most stressful bet type that you can have. Like it is just you're just sweating the entire way. Now, it's not like unders are that great because when you get within like, you know, two or three minutes of the under missing, it really starts to get tense and frustrating as well. So, yeah, but then you only have two minutes of it as the entire fight, you know, multiple rounds of it. I'm not even going to lie to you. Sometimes I like to look away. Sometimes I like to go to the bathroom when I know I have an over on the TV so I can come back from the bathroom (laughs) and it's like, oh, they're still going. Cool. Yeah. Nice. We just chopped three minutes off of it. (laughs) That's a look. Betting is about fun first. And probably the second rule of betting is, you know, minimize your stress levels yes. however you uh, can. <laughs> so if that's I'm 100% you do with it. you. So, yeah, I'll be taking Roy Valchanel. I'll be taking under two and a half. And I think that's my final single play. And we're going to ride with you for these last two. It's a heavy. Really? You've got nothing, nothing on, on the, the early. Yeah, I saw that earlier. I went to UFC. I was actually wow. kind of disappointed in myself. But it's 15 fights, man. We're here for the long run. We're, not, you know, we're here for a long time, not a good time. Uh, as I say, when I'm placing down bets. <laughs> But uh, all right, let's keep it rolling. Heavyweight bout. Blagoy Ivanov going up against Marcos Rogerio da Lima. What do you got on this one, man? Because I am passing hard on it. Look, this is this is a stupid bet. I'm just gonna I love stupid it. bets. You're doing the smart. We talked earlier. You know, you do the dumb bets with the parlays. I avoid them. This is a dumb bet because you should never bet on heavyweight MMA, especially bad heavyweight MMA because anything's the case. But if you're going to do it, you bet the dog because it's heavyweight. Small gloves, dudes hit hard. I am backing Marcos Rogerio de Lima. It's not one of my more confident bets, um, but I do see enough value here to play. Uh, the money line on him this morning was plus 125, so I took that. It's a 44, you know, 0.4 uh, win prob in a fight that I think is 50-50. Look, Lago Ivanov has a brick for a head, and so that is always a, that's always a problem. Uh, you know, this is a dude who... Went to the cards with Derek Lewis. Tai like he, he can take a shot. <laughs> tai Tuivasa, like, yeah, this, this is a man who who can take a shot. But this is also a man who hasn't fought in two years functionally. Um, and his last two fights were losses to Augusto Sakai, Derek Lewis. Um, he, he beat Tai Tuivasa, which is still blows my mind, <laughs> given what Tai has accomplished since then. Um, and conversely, Marcos Rogério de Lima has has been susceptible to dudes who can take him down. And that's, even off is, is a Sambo guy. He has some takedowns. But for me, I think that they're just in two different stages of their careers. Rogerio de Lima is still really young, or not really young, but really athletic. Uh, he's still got a lot of physical bounce to him. When you see, you saw that Ben Rothwell fight, he he had spring in there. And Ivanov has never been a springy guy. He's not fast. He is, he is a slow mass that moves inexorably <laughs> downhill. Uh, and I think there's a world where he can do things uh, and, and upset this pick. But he's not, frankly, a great wrestler. Most of his wrestle uh, takedowns come from the clinch. And we saw DeLima have a lot of success against Alexander Romanov. Now, it's an interesting way to qualify a fight where he lost by submission pretty convincingly in the first round. But Romanov is a more physically imposing, uh, frankly, a better clinch fighter than um, Blago Ivanov. And he... He had some issues. He had some struggles. And Romanov is much more athletic, was much more able to deal with the striking. So 
for me, I'm seeing plus four. I'm seeing 44% and you know plus 125. I, and I just have to take the value there. I think I think there are a lot of opportunities for Delima here. Uh, and I think there's also, frankly, a couple of hedge bets that you can make here. You can take Ivanov by decision. He has gone to decision his last six fights. That's plus 210. Um, you know, maybe even if you're really feeling saucy, sprinkle Ivanov by submission because Delima, when he loses, is by submission. So there's a world where that could happen. But for me, I'm I'm just backing, taking taking a money money line. I love how many dogs here. we've gotten from you tonight. I mean, it's it's always. Oh, I'm. I've more. Let's coming. go. Let's go. That's what I like to hear. Uh, so we, you're going to be rocking with. Uh, is MRL? Is that smooth? MRDL? Do we do we go abbreviation? Yeah. I, I went MRL in my in the notes I have written up just for the sake of convenience. Yeah, I like so I MRL. That that so works. you'll be riding with uh, Rogerio de Lima in this one over Ivanov. You got one more play for us though on this card, eh? I do, and I maybe even oh, have another one after that. I haven't, I haven't pulled the trigger, but I've got another one that's in that kind of middle. Well, the fact that you're betting, the fact that you're betting on this this next fight, the welterweight bout, Francisco Trinaldo going up against Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts, uh, that's some crazy stuff. Nah, man, <laughs> it's I a, look, it, to I'm, me, this is like the biggest coin flip I, fight on the card. I see. I don't think it's a coin flip. I think it's close to a coin flip, but. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo, I don't know if you know this about him, he's 44 <laughs> years old. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, 44-year-old men can't fight uh, in, in the UFC unless they're heavyweights. And even a heavyweight, it's pretty questionable. And Francisco Trinaldo's not. This is a guy who was mostly a career lightweight. He's bumped up to welterweight his past couple. I know he got that win his last time out, split decision, fight that probably shouldn't have been a split decision. But... Again, he's 44 years old. Danny Roberts, no spring chicken, and he's not like the world's greatest fighter. But he is still near his athletic prime, if nothing else, whereas Masar Nduba is very clearly past his prime. No 44-year-old man is at his peak. That's just not how time works. So uh, for me, you can get Danny Roberts at minus 105 right now. It's a 51% win probability. And I think there's a little bit of value. I'm not saying it's a huge chunk of meat on that. I'm not saying Danny Roberts is a 60-40 favorite. But, you know, I, I think he's a, a should be the clear favorite. I think he should be installed as a minus 120, minus 130 favorite because he he has a lot of physical traits that are going to bother Masa Rondubo. We saw in Trinaldo's, uh, his last fight, I don't remember, frankly, I don't remember if it was his first welterweight fight or if this was his second one. I think it was his second one because he fought Muslim Salikov. We saw against Dwight Grant who's not like a great fighter, but Dwight Grant basically has the same measurables, you know, basically the same height, same reach. And that gave Master Nduba some issues early on. Uh, and again, Dwight Grant's not a great fighter, whereas Danny Roberts isn't a great fighter, but he, he's much more athletic, much more springy. Uh, he's going to be able to use his range a little bit more effectively. He's going to have a little more pop on his shots coming back at Trinaldo and Look, the, the takedowns are always a concern because Danny Roberts not the world's greatest grappler, but I think he's – I'm backing, and I'm going to do this with another bet later. I'm backing youth. I'm backing speed. I'm backing size. I'm fading a 44-year-old man in a fist fight, and I'm getting it at close to even money. That feels like value to me, and so that's where I'm at. I love it, dude. I mean, your explanation, like, got me thinking about a Danny hot chocolate Roberts play. Uh, and then I realized I'd be putting my hard-earned money on Danny uh, Hot Chocolate Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Hot Chocolate uh, Roberts. That's the question. You know, that's the problem. You're 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 back in Danny Roberts. But 
I feel there's value, and if I see value, I'm going to attack it, and I see value there. We'll find out Saturday if I'm a lunatic because I have so many bets down, they're oh, not all going to I mean, that's a given. There's no that's way a I'm given. I have 15 yes, bets down. I love down giving out picks, and then the first one of the night loses, and they're like, wow, great start, dude. It's just like, yeah, we'll, we'll get these back. Like, we'll get these it's back. Marathon, It'll be all baby. right, man. Uh, that's all, all I have back. for the— And I have, I have one more— that I like, I'm I'm not pulled yet, but I am hawkeyeing the Lupe Godinez Arian Carnalosi fight. Um, I think there's just a lot of things at play here. Statistically, this should be a yes. Godinez fight all day. She's minus 170 right now. Um, if you look at the stats, or if you just eyeball test, look at the fights. Lupe has been fighting a ton, and she is a focused and committed grappler. And Carnalosi has not been good at stopping takedowns she's she has a 20 some odd percent takedown defense rate it's really bad loopy shoots a lot has a high rate of success has multiple different entries multiple different finishes uh not a great top position player but not bad and so uh i've got i've got my eye on uh godinez by decision at plus 110 i think there's some opportunity for that line to move just because carnalosi is a physically Pretty physically oh, yeah. imposing that, individual, yeah, that would be even at her least, stature. Yeah, yeah and that—that's the other thing. Kind of, you know, Godinez has largely not, you know, been fighting different body types. She's getting someone much more similar to her. I think she's going to even have even more success with those inside trips, kind of the variations on takedowns she has. So, and the big thing for me in this fight is Godinez is uh, two and two in the UFC, right? But those two losses, I think there there is a case that she won both of those fights certainly the jessica penne fight um and then her flyweight debut against luana carolina she's not flyweight she's a strawweight and she had a very competitive fight with luana carolina and she's just game class. dude so she did that if, on like a I week turnaround like super game exactly and and that's the thing you know she is if she had won both those fights or the judges had gone a little bit different she'd be nine and zero heading into this bout and i think we'd be looking at a way different betting line than her at seven and two right now, two and two in the UFC. So, I think it's close to value, um, just just where we're at. And so, I'm I'm gonna see if that line moves a little bit. Uh, and if it does, I'm gonna jump on it. But for now, it's a pass. But I'm I'm eyeballing it. And I have one more one more That's fight. That's what I was gonna say. That's what I was gonna say. What, two things. Luby Godinez, if it, if that number can drop enough. When we get close to fight day, I, I think I might have to join you in, in playing Loopy there. Uh, I do just think she's the better fighter than, than Carnalosi in that situation. But this is the first episode of No Bets Barred, and we don't just have UFC 274. We also have Bellator 280. And I believe, <laughs> I believe Jed and maybe both of us have some corresponding action in this one. Oh, I love this. I did not know that there was corresponding action, but I love if what corresponding you're about action, to say is I'm what so I think excited. you're going to say. We have corresponding action. Oh my! What I'm about to say is anyone look anyone who like I said anyone who's listened to the MMA Fighting Radio Network they they probably know me by now, and there are, there are two things I love in this world, and it's it's crapping on Brian Ortega who sucks, and it's Yoel Romero. I love Yoel Romero, one of my favorite fighters of all time. I thought he beat Israel Adesanya. I don't care that that's probably a wrong opinion. I'm going to say it till I die. He At definitely beat know. Robert yeah. Whitaker in that rematch. This man is should have been the uncrowned middleweight champion, uh, but fate did not allow that. Michael Bisping did not want that that sauce, and it was smart choice on him. He didn't need that action. Love Yo Romero. Yo Romero is 45 years old, and granted, 
He is a Martian. He is not a regular human being. This man is is made carved from wood and stone. He is an unbelievable athlete. Probably like no hyperbole. Probably the best athlete that this sport has ever seen, flat out, in terms of raw athleticism. Unbelievable. But he is forty five, and even at his peak, he was not an active fighter insofar as he just didn't have activity in the cage. Not he'd fight you know three or four times a year. He just physically won't fight that much. He, as he has gotten older, he has only receded into that more. He has become almost entirely a counterfighter where he is just waiting for you to do something and he can open up with a big counter shot. And if you don't do anything, he's just going to stare at you. <laughs> and even if you do something, he might not do anything because he is waiting for the perfect opportunity to hit you. And that, that is less effective over time. It's less effective as your athleticism, as those quick triggers fade, even though he's the greatest athlete the sport's ever seen at 45 years old, that just deteriorates. And look, Alex Polizzi is, is, a, is a gamer, man. Dude is a scrapper. And he is right now plus 165. That's about a 38% win prob. And look, this is, this is a fight lined up for Romero to do well because Polizzi wants to grapple. You're, you're obviously Olympic silver medalist, should be able to keep it on the feet and land the big shots. But I mean, we saw Polizzi get, he ate a monster knee from Azevedo, like, a, like the biggest <laughs> knee you're ever going to eat. He dove a takedown into a man's jumping knee, and it didn't kill him. And he, in fact, won that fight shortly thereafter. And so I, I'm just going to go with a fade on... I'm going to fade Yoel Romero. I'm going to fade a 45-year-old man getting into a fist fight. I don't love Alex Bleasy, but I do think he's a scrapper. And Yoel has so little activity. Gas tank has always been maybe a bit of a question. And this, more than anything, Connor, this feels like the moment where Bellator just shoots itself in the foot. Bellator's always good to shoot itself in the foot in one way or another. And this feels like the way they do it is, is Yoel, this big acquisition, losing to a dude no one's ever heard of. It feels well, like a Bellator moment. Not only do they seem to shoot themselves in the foot, it seems like they do it uh, on a weekly basis because Polizzi is True. filling in. Romero was event was supposed to face uh, Melvin Manhoff, and uh, I think he was probably going to walk through him. But that is exactly what I wanted to hear. So we are at number two. Oh! Oh! Wolfpack wager number two. I played oh. Polizzi at plus 184. Earlier today, the line is plummeting. I mean, at some places, he's as low as plus 125 right now. I mean, he, he's Jeez. he's falling hard right now. So I would love to cash a dog ticket fading 45-year-old Yoel Romero. I won't. It'll hurt me. It'll hurt me in my feels. But look, the, you just follow the wagers. You follow the value wherever it can be found. And I, I think there's value in Polizzi here. So love that we have our second The fact that we're already at two though. and this is only the first episode. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Big time. That's all I have. Do you have any more fights that you'd like to discuss? I have so nothing So with that, let me rip week. through my bets and then I'll let you rip through yours. I got Cowboy Lausanne under two and a half <laughs> minus 105. Roy Val Schnell under two and a half even money. OSP Shogun Rua under two and a half minus 160. Olivera Gaethje under two and a half minus 134. Randy Brown money line plus 115. Rose Nami money line minus 150. Michael Chandler and Rose I took as soon as they opened. I have the Michael Chandler minus 155, but I'm also parlaying them up. I also have Alex Polizzi money line at plus 184. Parlays. I mentioned these. What I'm going with Soren Bach on Bellator. I think he is just going to roll against Charlie Leary. He's a fill in. I think this is just, 
it's Sorenbach time. It's yeah, a fair, Sorenbach, fair wager. Andre Fialo, my man, Canelo Alvarez. I'm jumping into boxing as well in this situation. Also a good one. Bivol, he's a great fighter. Have you heard that Bivol's very tall, though? Because yes, yeah, they love Tallies, but they Bivol are also tall. forgetting it's a single to mile weekend, and he's going against the pound for pound goat who's never been knocked out before. Bivol doesn't have any knockouts since 2018. If he's going to win by decision, but he's very tall. If Bivol's going to win by decision, he's going to have to win by decision. And is he going to be able to do that? I don't know. I think I think the refs are not no afraid chance. to job Bivol out and keep the money train rolling in Canelo Alvarez. That's parlay one, parlay two. Michael Chandler. Gage Oliveira does not go the distance, and we're doubling down on our guy Saul. You better call Saul. Canelo Alvarez, that one pays minus 103. The previous one pays minus 106. And those are the bets that I have for this weekend. All right, so, I mean, I'm strapped in. I'm ready to hear. Let's go. A lot of action everywhere. Lock it in. I have Justin Gaethje plus 145 straight of Justin Gaethje by KO and TKO. That's plus 200. Rose Namajunas at minus 195. I also have Rose Namajunas by KO, TKO at plus 300. I've got the over on Chandler Ferguson at 1.5 rounds. That is minus 160. I have the over on Jason Dumont at 2.5 rounds. That's minus 245. And I will be placing a secondary wager on that fight goes the distance. Whenever that line drops, should be about a minus 220, something like that. I feel great about that. I've got a little, just a little baby sprinkle on Ferguson by submission at plus fourteen hundred. You know, let's let's just make it a big day. If we're gonna do something, let's I'm gonna do be it sick if that out happens, of the but I'll be happy insane. for you. This is gonna be the best. I've got Lozon straight at plus one fifty. That's, That's a wolf, a wolf pack, pack wager. Punch that in. I have got Lozon in round one. Another little sprinkle plus eight. I might hop on board that, that at some prop. point this week. I might throw like a you know a quarter unit on on Lozon plus eight hundred. I love it. I love it. I've got Randy Brown, minus 105. That is a wolf pack right there. I've got Rogerio De Lima, plus 125. I've got Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts at minus 105. Uh, and then I also have Alex Polizzi at plus 165 over in Bellator. And again, I'm I'm keeping my eyeballs on. I'm checking for Lupi Godinez by decision or just straight, depending on how that line moves. Shogun Hua seeing if that line moves a little more favorably towards Shogun and Jason as well. So I've got, got eyeballs on those, but that's what, I, what I'm All right. for. My best bet of the week, in my opinion, that I have played so far is Cowboy uh, Lozon does under two and a half. That that's the one that's that's the bet bet the house and home on it, huh? That's the one you feel if you had to lock that's in the, the one, one I am it. I am most thinking gets it done for me. If I had to if I had to get rid of everything I think that's what I'm going with. Well, for me, I already said it earlier when we talked about it, but it's it's Let's Rose Namajunas straight. She is the mayor of Value Town for me this week. She is the A number one. If I had to marry one of these bets, that's the bet I'm marrying. It's the one I have the most action on. It's the one I believe. If I had to most. kill one of my bets, I think it'd be the Randy Brown bet. That's one that. If we're in the second round, <laughs> I hear the screaming from Joe Rogan, John Anik. You can't kill a Listen, wolf I'm pack. not killing it. I'm obviously riding it. But if I had to get, you know, if someone came up and was just like, uh, you lose everything if this bet loses, I would be getting rid of of Randy Brown. If it's if it's round two and I hear John Anik screaming, you know, Chaos Williams, and Randy Brown is sprawled on the canvas, I'm not going to be shocked. 
See, the problem is I agree with you. I know. Why I have we say that? And I want that to be the kill. But I can't make that my kill because I have so much action. And I also have a bet yeah, down so on Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts. On, and so that if I have to throw, if I have to kill one, it's Danny Roberts is the one I'm getting rid of. But it is, uh, I've, I've got some dangerous action. Best value? That way. I think my best value might be uh, your lows on round one play plus 800. I that is uh is probably what I would list my my best value though uh you can take this a couple ways for me I I went for the Gaethje by KOTKO because I just think that's the only way he wins so you're basically getting some extra juice on that one so a little bit of value there but uh I think the the lows on round one at plus 800 is probably the true go ahead and lock up a cowboy uh decision win uh before we get out of here (laughs) Let, let me ask you I one final question before we go, because I, I found myself thinking about this as we were prepping, and it was, of all the bets you've made or the bets you considered, what is the one or the fight that you most want to bet on that you shouldn't bet on? What's the one that you were like, oh, I because for me, it was easily Shogun Hua. I want to put my money down on Shogun, I so but I know that it's dumb. And I'm gonna do the dumb thing because you always do the dumb thing when you're like, can't, don't push this button. I'm gonna push that button. And so for me, that's what it. But I want to know if you're if you're trying to be stupid, if you're making a dumb wager, one you haven't made, one that I haven't going? made where I'm going. I think this goes two places. Melissa Gatto, I kind of liked her at dog odds. I decided to back off of it. One that I strongly considered was Michael Chandler by decision at plus two fifty. I really looked into that for a minute. Oh, uh, but just the the. The reckless abandon that, that that man fights with after after taping some of his fights, I I, I couldn't do it. I, betting that guy to go to decision is like you talk about stressors. You spend the whole fight in the bathroom and you'll still be stressed out in there. <laughs> Hate to be stressed out. <laughs> I mean, in the that's bathroom. I'm that's telling a you, tough time. At your next UFC party, you got an overbet. Let's say an over two and a half. It makes it like halfway through the second round. And you're just like. Just the quiet, just you could go to the bathroom, you know, wash the hands, wash the face. You, you're obviously listening. You're listening hard for that, like, everyone goes crazy moment. But when it stays quiet, you know, you just walk back. They're back in the third round. You've already killed a minute of the third round. You're just like, oh, they're still going. Nice. Yeah. And if you've washed your hands. That's no what I'm saying. Clean, you got That's what I'm saying. Palms, you're clean. So you're, yeah, you're there's covered. nothing that gets me out of my seat more than, like, the last 30 seconds of an overplay. I start bobbing around. I'm like, come on, please, come on. Like, we got 30 more seconds. Uh, especially when it's like close when someone's got like the back and you're like yes. I need you to not get submitted uh, for 30 seconds Can Brad you please Riddell hold on? versus uh, who's he fighting Rafael uh, Faziv uh, yeah I had over two Faziv. and a half in that one and they killed it with like 10 seconds before it hit and like I crumpled I was like on, I was standing up and I like crumpled I was like yeah. I was sick to my stomach it was disgusting but uh yeah, sometimes that happens, man. We're going to get bad beats. We're going to get the split decision losses, but it all evens out in the end. The gambling gods get it done for us. I can I can promise you that. So those are our bets. Those are our best bets. Those are our value. Those are the stayaways, everything. We gave you the two Wolfpack wages. Hopefully we can come through with some dogs this week. But this has been the first episode of No Bets Barred work with us here we're we're gonna we're gonna build on this we're gonna get better as we go along we're just doing this all on the fly uh as we go here at mma fighting i promise you we'll get better as we go i've had a fantastic time i mean i've had a fantastic a great time. time 90 minutes of this. talking fights 
I, I don't get this ever. I don't get this ever. Even with my friends that are the biggest MMA fans of my friends, I never get this 90 minutes. So I've had an absolute blast. If you have to, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. UFC Vegas 54. Rakic versus... Yeah, it's not a great card. So we probably won't go as long next week. Maybe we can spend a little more time recapping, you know, what happened to 274. Maybe, you know, maybe the fans catch on. You guys send us some love. Send us some things to talk about, some some of your own wagers. Uh, we can, you know, like you said, we're figuring this out as we go along. So help us build this, people, because we, we, we've had a great time. We want to keep doing it for, for a yeah, very long absolutely. time. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening. This has been No Bets Bard. Back next week. Blahovich Rakic. See y'all then. Love you guys. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.